Hello, everyone. Is the Nat is Fascinated podcast with yours truly, Nat. Uh, my podcast is the Wannabe Weekly podcast. That's not really happening right now, but one day I will be weekly. And today we have a special episode. It's going to be a little emotional for me, so things may get a little raw and a little intense for yours truly. So please be forgiving. Please be kind. Today's subject is colorectal cancer awareness. And did you know that March is colorectal cancer awareness month? I did not, but now I do. And why do I? If you go back to my very first season, my very first episode, my very first guest, she was Jennifer Rio Ruddle, United States of America, Mrs. Arizona 2020. And she was diagnosed in 2017 with stage four colorectal cancer. And sadly, in December 21st, she passed away. So I want to keep her spirit alive, her memory alive, and more importantly, I want to keep that message going about getting screened for colorectal cancer early. So if topics here get a little too intense or emotions get a little too intense, it's okay to stop this episode and come back another time. We'll be here for you. I also have a favor. After this episode, I would really, really appreciate and love it if you go back to that very first episode, very first season, Mrs. Arizona's 2020 episode and listen to it for the first time or listen to it again. And let's remember Jennifer. Also, you can follow me on Instagram at the Nat is Fascinated podcast to see pictures of my guests and interviews I've had in the past and for more information about colorectal cancer. So my guest today is a very lovely lady who is willing to talk to me today. And her name is Deja. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Nat. I'm uh, pleased uh, to have any opportunity to talk with you, but especially about Jen. Perfect. Thank you so, so much. But let's get to know you a little bit better. All right. Where were you born? I was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Oh. And grew up until high school I, that's where i lived mm -hmm. bloomington and uh, then i left and went moved to michigan to go to college uh, at western michigan university did you come from a big family small family there are four four of us yeah. kids uh, and mom and dad oh what did mom and dad do um, my dad worked for northwest airlines oh, cool. which is now delta oh and, and bought many times over. Mm -hmm. um, and my mom was a teacher, eighth, eighth grade geography. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. With your dad being in the airline industry, did you get to travel a lot? Uh, no, he was a flight planner. So oh. he um, did the, it, it's um, like operations. So he made the paths. Mm -hmm. But before computers, our uh, dining room table was one huge map, and he would use colored markers to draw the lines, the path oh. lines that the um, airplanes needed to fly. I mean, it, it, we, we take that for granted that the planes just automatically know where to go, but no. No, they don't. <laughs> that has to all be figured out, navigated, and whatever, and 
think about that before computers, you know. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. And you went to university for what subject? Me? Yeah, you. Um, I started in education. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I had an elementary, I was an elementary school teacher. Oh. When I came out of college. And what was your very, very first job? My very, very first job was picking strawberries. Oh, really? In fact, we were just talking about that last night with friends that um, I think it was like a nickel a pint or something. Oh, in the summertime? <laughs> yeah, in the summertime. And, and then between that and babysitting. Yeah. And um, eventually that. I, I uh, got my... Um, uh, my lifesavers. Yeah? Yeah. And uh, was a lifeguard at the pool. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then so. you became a teacher. And then I, yes, then I went into teaching, became a principal, um, and then a central office administrator. So I worked my way up that ladder until my head was hitting the ceiling. Oh, wow. And um, I had an opportunity to become assistant superintendent in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Okay. And... Uh, and then at the same time got an offer in corporate, in the corporate world back in Minneapolis um, with National Computer System. They, they make the scanners when you bubble in your tests. Mm -hmm. um, and they were looking for someone who could be a marketer <clears throat> to educators that had a background in education. So I took that job. Perfect. Yeah. And uh, family, do you married? I'm married yeah. uh, to Alex Stewart, yeah. and um, we have two cats for I, babies. <laughs> I've got one for a baby. I totally get it. Yeah. How did you meet Alex? Through video dating. In video dating? Video dating. Um, yeah, this, again, before computer dating. I love it. Um, we, they, it was called Great Expectations. And it was like a library that you could go into and look through books, okay. pictures, uh, and read a little bio and um, uh, pick out somebody that you thought would, might be interesting to date. And then you'd give them a postcard and say, I'd be interested in meeting number 542. Yeah. And number 542 would then come in and look at my picture and read my bio and decide if they wanted to see it. So if they did, they would tell the person at Great Expectations, yeah, I'll, I'll meet her. And then we, if they'd get the, my phone number or I'd get their phone number and we'd set up a date. So Alex found my picture and, and uh, decided he wanted to meet me. And I looked at his and I thought, yeah, I wanted to meet him. And that was it. We met, and then you could freeze so that nobody else could. You'd have an opportunity to focus on, on the person. On that one person. Yeah, and um, we met, and we, we were kindred spirits. And Aww. two years later, we got married, and this year we celebrate our 31st anniversary. Oh, congratulations, yeah. 31st. Any advice to some you know, younger kids who are just... Yeah, Give talk to each other. Talk to each other. That's my biggest, and, and it would be Alex's too, communication. Communication People is the key. People cannot guess what you need. You <laughs> need to tell them. You're so right. <laughs> I think a lot of fights could be avoided if mm -hmm. we just talk to each other. Mm -hmm. I think you're absolutely right. 
And yet the two fur babies, what are their names? Um, Casey. Casey. Casey's Berman. Ooh. And um, he's beautiful, okay. has gorgeous blue eyes and a mm. mouth that will not stop. <laughs> and he gets away with it. All the little uh, things sticking out from yeah. the furniture are because of Casey. Casey, Casey. He loves to, you know, this one, good cats use. The, 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 the tree, the, the tree, tree, the condo. Um, but our furniture that's pulled is Casey because he's naughty, but he gets away with it because he's so cute. He's cute. Yeah, it's just cute. It's hard to yell at him. Samantha is our snowshoe. Oh, and she's so sweet and just beautiful. She has a collapsed disc in her spine. Oh, no. So it's hard for her to get around, but she's very happy. Oh, I love she it. She sleeps with me every night. And, uh, crawls right up. She's my protector. I have one too. My Pirelli is, she sleeps with me by my leg yeah. and she growls. If someone, if there's noise outside, oh, she growls. Really? Mm -hmm. Now you and Alex have had a challenging chapter in your lives. Mm, we have. Whatever um, you like to share, please feel free. Okay. Um, well, I'm, first of all, I'm the audience doesn't know I'm 72. Okay. So we retired um, about 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. Alex had a bypa triple bypass surgery. And wow. When he came out of that um, ICU, he said, we're going to buy that RV. And uh, we talked about, ever since we met, we talked about getting an RV and someday when we retire, and uh, when after that operation was like, okay, time to retire. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we did and we bought the RV and we took off and for three summers, or six months, long summers, yeah. um, we traveled the country. And Ooh. we today say the best time of our life was when we were in the RV. And we were intending to do that for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And, um, but we were in Twin Falls, Idaho on Labor Day of 2015. It was our third, third year of covering the country. By that time, we'd hit 38 states. All the, the uh, national um, uh, baseball stadiums. Oh, wow. <laughs> and a number of the minor leagues, all the major leagues, but mm -hmm. a number of the minor leagues. Equal number of theaters because... For every ball game we went to, we had to see a show, my, my requirement. Support the arts. Yes, <laughs> definitely. And, um, uh, but I was having difficulty with um, quite, a, quite a bit of diarrhea. Okay. And uh, on Labor Day, I actually had um, blood appear. And I said to Alex, I think I need to go to the hospital. And have this checked out at ER so um, we did and I had they uh, had me get an emergency colonoscopy okay and when I came out of that I was informed that I had uh, stage four colon cancer okay Alex's response was what happened to stage one two and three <laughs> oh. well I suddenly was at four right um, I I had what um, my gastrointestinal uh, 
physician said was the most aggressive colon cancer that he had seen because mm-hmm. two years prior to that date I had had a full colonoscopy and really? it was clear. Oh wow, so this happened in the space of two years. Two years. It went um, from nothing being totally clear to yeah. stage four. Stage four means that it's not only in the colon but it's passed through and metastasized to some other organ or mm-hmm. location. Mine had metastasized at that point to my liver. Okay. And they didn't know where else. So um, when I had this, I, we booked it back to Scottsdale mm-hmm. um, and they got me in surgery right away. And my surgeon uh, is the one who found that it had gone to my liver when he was he was pulling the uh, gallbladder and um, the tumor out of the colon, yeah. his little finger passed on the liver and he felt something that he said shouldn't be there. So he stopped the surgery, did a biopsy, and found it was the colon cancer that had gone into the liver. And so he cut it out. He said mm-hmm. that the good news is I cut it out. The bad news is I'm not a liver surgeon. Oh, boy. So I want you to go, you know, have this checked and make sure I, I did everything okay. I said I was just so happy that he got it out. Absolutely. A, a quick question. Did cancer run in your family? Mm-hmm. Is there a history of cancer in your family? There is. I didn't know it at the time. Oh, okay. Um, my grandfather had colon cancer, but it wasn't talked about. Nope, not back then. And not by my mom either. It was my mother's father. And uh, I learned it from my mother's cousin. Um, So my grandfather's brother um, told his daughter, who's my cousin, Mm -hmm. way way too convoluted there. But um, in any case, I found out at that time that my grandfather had had colon cancer. And what made you think about, were you getting colonoscopies on the regular? Regular basis, because I had, um, my dad had polyps. Okay. And um, when I got my first colonoscopy when I was 50, um, I I had a polyp then. Mm -hmm. And so that automatically, given that I had, that dad had Mm -hmm. had them, um, and I did, then they put me on a five-year track. Okay. So I was... I was diagnosed at 65. I'd been getting colonoscopies every every five years mm-hmm. um, from 50 to 65. So you, and they'd always been clear. clear. So you got it to Scottsdale, you had the surgery, the liver. So what happened with the liver? Um, so they had cut it out. They got it uh, all from the liver. I had clear margins. And... Um, but that, but they said um, they needed to check the rest of me. So I had a PET scan to check the rest of the body. Okay. They found that it was also in my lymph node. Okay. This guy right here. Oh, hello. Um, so the lymph node uh, got radiation. Okay. And, uh, and then I went on six months of chemo. Okay. And I did quite well. Everything went into remission. Um, I was in, you know, I, I had created a tribe during my six-month time. I, I've always been very open um, about my cancer because I believe 
people need to know about colon cancer. It's the number yep. two killer, and uh, it's the uh, third most common cancer. Uh, but people don't like to talk about it because it's it's not fun to talk about poop. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it is, you know. It's 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 an ugly cancer to have to deal with. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Um, so people don't. So it takes people to come forward and say, this is, this is serious, guys. I, it's, it's nothing t- to be hidden. Most, most people know what their grandparents have died from. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I didn't because I'm that old. My mom, you know, would, would today be 100 and, 100 and something. Wow. So her dad... You know, it just wasn't talked about. She knew he um, had died from a tumor, but I don't believe she knew that it was colon. With all your research for the past couple of years, imagine you've been reading up about this. Mm-hmm. Why is there an increase in colon cancer, especially in younger people? Do you know why? We can suspect okay. that it's uh, the processing in the foods. Oh, yeah. Have you changed your diet? I, I eat clean. We eat real, real food. Um, Have you gone it, vegan or vegetarian? No. No. Pescatarian? No. Okay. I know. I, I just eat real food. So no processed food, yeah. no junk. Just Yeah. Um, I try not to. Yeah. There's always a cheat. Oh, thank God for cheat days. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would need a cheat day. Yes. Uh, so a couple of clarification questions. What's a polyp? Oh, it's it's um, it's like a a bump. Okay. <laughs> um, if you think of if you think of the colon as as like a tube, mm-hmm. it it's when they're um, there. It's just like a raised piece, like a like a pimple. A pimple think in of, your colon. Of, yeah, there you go. A pimple in your colon. Yes. That's a polyp. Right. And would you mind describing the steps of getting a colonoscopy for someone like I've never had one, and at my age of forty plus, I should I should get one. Especially. You should, definitely should because okay. now the age is at forty five. Okay. When I was fifty, the age was at fifty, but now um, through the work of um, organizations like uh, Colorectal Cancer Alliance. Um, we have gotten in, insurance companies to now cover for 45-year-olds and larger. And that's um, one of the, the groups that um, Jen was very involved in with CCA was Never Too Young. Yep. And that's the pitch that we continue uh, to reinforce. You are never too young to get colon cancer. It's always been viewed as an old person's um, so I don't pitch too much about never too young because but, I'm still talking to so many people in my, in my age group, but when I'm with young people, yep. I push it. Um, you don't want, you don't want this to happen. You, 65 was still very young to me. 72 yeah. is still young to me. Old is 15 years older than you are. And, um, you know, so I will always be young. Yeah. And uh, with my peer group as well. Awesome. Uh, the colonoscopy. Okay. 
but thank you. No problem. <laughs> so um, because there's this fear mm -hmm. and people have heard, oh my God, it's awful. No, it isn't. First of all, the colonoscopy, you're under. So you don't even feel anything. Oh, you thank are you. Out. Out. You are out. Thank you. There is no pain or anything. Perfect. The, what people don't like is the prep. Okay. The prep is basically you have diarrhea oh. like you've never experienced unless you get colon cancer oh, no. um, for a day. Okay. I mean, it's not even a day. You take um, a prep. A fluid? Uh, well, it can be a fluid, but it can also be pills. Okay. It depends upon your um, gastrointestinal physician, what they suggest. Okay. They all have their preferences. Mine said you get a, you're cleaner, and that's the purpose of the prep. You've got to clean that colon out so that the doctor can see if there are any polyps or not, mm -hmm. or tumors or or anything so you've got to you think of taking a very dirty dish and what it takes to get it clean it takes some time you got to really scrub shake that up and scrub, scrub it out <laughs> so you get this prep that just makes you go to the bathroom for you know a lot mm -hmm. until you think oh my god there isn't anything left in me and then sure enough, there is. <laughs> and then there's more. Surprise. Yes, yes. So the prep is n not necessarily great tasting. They okay. Try, you know, it's like taking cough syrup, you know, who, mm. who likes the, that flavor. Right. By the time you finish it, it's like, oh, please let this be the end. <laughs> um, so that's, that's what gives it a bad name. It's just the prep. The prep. So from starting the prep mm -hmm. to getting... The colonoscopy done. How long is that time period? Like two days, oh, three days? Uh, no, just a day before. Oh, yeah. The you prep. It's not even a, well. The the day before you don't eat. Okay. Um, anything but liquids, clear liquids. Again, okay. you don't want any coloring okay. in there. So, you can eat popsicles, but not cherry. <laughs> nope. Nothing red. <laughs> um, but clear liquids, so broth and you know. Anything uh, that's clear liquid, you can have a lot of tea. And you do that until, um, usually it's in the afternoon, you take the prep. And then you, within two hours or so, you'll start, you'll feel the need to go to the bathroom. Okay. And, and then you go a couple hours and then you take more of the liquid. Mm -hmm. And then you'll go to the bathroom again. And you'll probably go to the bathroom three, maybe four times. Um, and then that's it. And the next day you the go. The next day, next morning, you go to the doctor and, you know, they, they give you, give you the anesthesia. And if you've had anesthesia before, you know, you just wake up and go, oh, I thought I just went to sleep and now I'm awake, you know? Yeah. Well, no, it's done. It's all it's done. It's all done. It's that and, easy. Yeah, it's that easy. And, and your doctor will tell you right away if there's a problem or not. Do you get results right away yeah. that same day? That that doc, yes, any doctor could tell you right then that they've just they just scanned everything and they'll say it went well, you know, they'll you'll get a a brief. You may not get the full report, but mm -hmm. you'll you'll get a yes, you did fine, you're clear. Yeah. 
right away. So it's, it's not a big deal. It's a very big deal if you don't do it and you get colon cancer. Yeah, it's a big deal. So I imagine you've been telling anyone who has ears and can listen and communicate, get it done. Get it done. Yes. Get it done, people. Yes. So how did you meet Jennifer? It was Thanksgiving Day in, I believe it was 2017. That's when she was diagnosed. Yep, October 2017. Um, I was in New York at my uh, husband's cousin's house, and I got a phone call from Petey Sports. Mm-hmm. And Petey said, I've got a friend. I'm devastated. She was just diagnosed with colon cancer. And as I said, I've been quite verbal and quite open, so Petey know, you know, knew that I had colon cancer. Mm-hmm. And she said, uh, it's stage four. She's young. Can you talk to her? Is there anything you can do? And I said, yeah, I'd be happy to call her. I said, if, if she wants me to. And she said, yeah, no, she's open to it. So I called her. Um, and I can still see myself standing on the steps outside um, while the rest of the folks were inside. And I thought, i got to do this call now. Yeah. And... Um, I'm going to lose it. That's okay. Um, We're here together in a safe environment. You're okay. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I I knew Jen from the theater world. We had had crossed over and I'd met her, um, but I didn't know know her, know her. But we knew each other's names enough to be able to chat and and whatever because of our theater connection. Mm -hmm. And um, I asked how she was doing and she said, you know, shared with me that how scared she was, and and that stage four. You hear stage four, and you think death. There's no stage five. Right. right. There is no stage five. So, um, you know, it goes immediately to your head. When am I going to die? What have I got left? Oh my God! You know. Yeah. And the first thing I said to her is, stage four does not mean death. Stage four means you have a serious battle ahead of you um and but it can be managed and um you you just do the best that you can yeah that the research shows that the most common factor between survivors of stage four cancer is a positive attitude and i said jim that is a choice a positive attitude is your choice you can take this on and be negative yeah. or poor me or I, it's all over, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Or you could say, I'm going to meet this head on. Yes, I have cancer, but that doesn't mean I'm dead. It right. means I have work to do. So you do your work the best that you can. When it's your time, it's your time. But in the meantime, be yeah. positive. Where did... Where in the world did you get this amazing outlook on this? Because I have cancer and I made a choice. <laughs> but did you have someone that inspired you or did you read something? I read. Hit, you read. I read. When I was diagnosed, I've, I, you know, Alex had um, his bypass surgery because of diabetes. I read to okay. help him with his diabetes. I get diagnosed with cancer. 
I'm going, you know, I was like, okay, I got to figure out what I have. What, what do I do? What, how are people staying alive? I am mm-hmm. a type A personality. I'm a worker. I love it. Um, I love so it. I was like, no, I got to figure this out. And when I saw that, I thought positive attitude. I can do that. I can do that. So when I am faced with something, instead of looking at what's wrong with it, I look at what's right with it. Mm -hmm. One of the first things I got from so many people is this poem that says, cancer can't, cancer can't. And I thought, huh, I wonder what cancer can. And I started looking at what the gifts were that cancer was giving me. And there are a lot. I've met so many amazing people. Um, I became very involved in an organization called A Second Act that is full of women uh, with cancer Mm -hmm. of all types and that are doing things to give back. And that's their second act. And I thought, I can do that. I can make this my second act is, you know, to help people that have colon cancer to get the word out. I don't want people not to know in my family. I want people to know you are related to someone with colon cancer. You get your colonoscopies. You stay on top of it. It's it's not just, you know, eating processed food. It's mm-hmm. not just um, your your uh, DNA. It's it's multitudes of things and it's things that we don't know you know right we just don't know so what can we do so what can you do well you can make good choices you can look at the you can look at what you're dealing with and it'll make a difference in how you feel how you approach every day the people that you meet are going to be interested in talking to you Mm -hmm. um they're going to maybe It'll impact their, their life, even if it's not cancer, just taking a more positive look in life. A lot of the problems that we deal with in life today, you know, finance, relationships, anything, any, any of the issues that we're dealing with, it's, be, it, it's controllable. Okay. I mean, we have choices. And so you and Jennifer connected. And yes. then did you get Jennifer connected with the Colorectal Cancer Alliance? Yes. Well, some of, the, some of her questions were, you know, where can I find help? And I said the first place I would go to is Blue Nation on Facebook. Blue Nation is a Facebook group organized by Colorectal Cancer Alliance. Mm-hmm. And I said that was the first place that I went to and it was overwhelming to me to read all the stories of, of what people were going through. It was so overwhelming that I had to pull back and oh, it was wow. like I couldn't, I couldn't read all that was happening to people because I was taking it all on myself. Mm-hmm. But then I, I um, drilled down and found that there's also a group for stage four colon cancer. Okay. It's, it's just those people that have stage four. Mm-hmm. And you can take it even more specific to who's, who's working 
um, getting treatment with full fox or full furry, um, any number of the treatments. Mm -hmm. You can drill down and you get just those people. So I found that, that through the website page, I could get in touch with people who were dealing with exactly the same thing I was. So I suggested she go to Blue Nation, mm-hmm. which I didn't know this about Jen, but she also is a, pers- a proactive, you know, go get it, figure oh, it yeah. out girl. And uh, she did, and boy, she just grabbed hold of CCA with both hands. Yeah, she was on the board for what? For Never Too Young. And what does Never Too Young uh, it, promote? It's it's the group within the CCA that, that has a focus specifically on young adults. Mm-hmm. And she became a great spokesperson for young adults at the time. I think she was 40 years old and um, looked 20, but was 40. <laughs> um, and she, you know, got very involved with that group. And yeah. that, that portion of CCA has grown significantly. They have their own administrator and 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 then created a board, which Jen was on, and yep. took her to D.C. and yep. national conferences. And, you know, she just she just took took hold. It was yeah. great. It was really awesome for her to do yeah. that. Sadly, COVID put a big damper on a bunch of functions that she was booked to go mm-hmm. and speak at. But she that didn't stop her from doing Zoom calls and Zoom oh, yeah. meetings and, and interviews, being, and, interviews mm-hmm. podcasts. So... Yeah. No, she she was uh, go get them. So what? Let's say someone comes to you and they have they discover they have colorectal cancer. What is some advice that you would give them? Well, the first is to realize that your cancer can be managed. Okay. Um, don't give up. Mm-hmm. There's so much going on in terms of clinical research. Um, there's always something new that's being tried. And um, op- op- we call them clinical trials. Um, that's probably the biggest area that I put my focus on, mm-hmm. um, is, is helping to fund the research that's needed. Um, to get better medications and and better treatments out. Um, So I think that's the the first thing is to get um, your positive attitude and then to get connected to a group. Um, You can't do this alone. No, you cannot. And it's so helpful to talk, or even if you don't feel comfortable enough to talk to people that have the same issues, to read you know, go on Facebook. You can you can be a lurker <laughs> and just read the stories, and yeah. you'll get ideas. Um, and that's what I did. I, you know, I worked slowly into it as I as I got more comfortable with with living with cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's you know the new normal is overdone now. Yeah, but um, it really is taking a hold with a positive sense. That your life is different, yes, but there's new things that come your way, and you know I I battle the the things that aren't fun. It's it's 
you know, the things that come at me because of side effects yeah. from medication are horrendous in Ugh. in colon. You know, I deal with, um, you hear about incontinence. Yeah. You think that's urine. No, not for a colon cancer patient. Mm. You think about incontinence when it's fecal. Yeah. And that, there is no control. Yeah. It's just, you can be walking through Walmart and it hits you. Those are probably the worst things that can happen, but that's not the end of the world. You know, you can change your clothes. You can wash your things out, you know. You can throw things away. It's not the worst thing. You can deal with it. And so I carry a bigger purse now because I got (laughs) to, you know, I tell people, when they say, what's the worst thing you have to do? I said, it's, it's carrying around my diaper bag. And, and, you know, being a Depends poster girl, that's the stuff that, that isn't fun. And, uh, but it's reality. Mm-hmm. And it's not the worst thing in the world. I can still, you know, go for a three-mile walk. And I can, I can still see people. I can still go out to dinner. When I go out to dinner, I make sure our table is always by the restroom. Yeah. Guess what? Most yeah. people don't like to sit by the restroom. So it's always so available. You always get a table. <laughs> Another check it off. That's a little a good perk. Thing. A little perk. Yeah. So I, I think I think those are the two most important things is mm-hmm. get connected and uh, and keep looking for the good stuff. You talk about being connected. I imagine um, having a tribe you mentioned. Mm-hmm caregivers well they're the most important um and and if there's anything that really breaks my heart is the people that are battling this alone i can't imagine i it's it's and and consequently that's why i tell people if you need someone to talk to um call me that's why my friends know you know and i and i do i have a group of people that i buddy with I, you know I send them texts how you do and I check in on them mm-hmm. and when somebody invariably has somebody who gets diagnosed with colon cancer they call me and say Deidre will you call them well I have um, a caring bridge site that I've um, maintained for seven years I suggest they go there and read just to, to feel a connection if mm-hmm. they, if they feel a connection to me then, you know, get, yes, give him my number and have him call me. I, there are so many different reactions that I don't want to impose myself right. on people, but I'm happy to have them call me. And um, as Petey did for how I got connected with Jennifer. And um, yeah, so. Any advice for caregivers? Because they're so important. And wow. The, the bigger advice I think is for the the uh, survivor mm-hmm. to appreciate that caregiver. Yeah, I think that's the number one thing. There, it is such a hard job, you know. Yeah. With your whether your caregiver is a spouse or a partner or a friend, whoever they are, they're going above and beyond when they do anything for you. Yeah, you know, my husband is a rock, and He's, I, I cannot imagine going through this without him at my side. Mm-hmm. Um, because there, there are so many, it's not just the battle of, 
of the treatment, but it's the battle of dealing with the insurance companies, with the oh, wow. um, pharmacies, you know, that just, I have the best medical team that I could ask for. I'm so, so fortunate, but I have terrible problems with the insurance companies. Oh no. And, and the pharmacies and getting things delivered on time or, you know, just things like my, my oxygen, uh, I needed delivered and, and it took three different people to, to get what I needed over a three day period. And it's like, you know, I was fortunate that I wasn't needing the oxygen all the time. And right. I thought, what if that was, you know, what, what are you, why, why should the patient be the one that has to do the fighting, you know? What would you recommend if someone from the insurance, like how can the insurance companies improve themselves for patients? Uh, they could do more training for the people they've hired. Oh. You no, know, it's just dealing with, I mean, that's true with, you know, whether it's the airlines or whoever it is mm -hmm. that you're dealing with on the phone. Um, when you're dealing with someone who's, <clears throat> excuse me, facing a, a terminal disease, you know, just have some compassion mm -hmm. that our life is not easy. And, and if you're dealing with someone who's trying to make the best of the situation, you know, it's true for anybody. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's not just that it's a, a terminal disease. Don't treat anybody that way. No. You know, just that I think there is something that I, I see over and over is, um, you know, remember that the person that you're arguing with or fighting with has issues themselves. Yeah. You know, it's said much better than what I just said, but <laughs> Um, that's when I walk away after being so upset and my husband will say, you know, well, they're just, you know, are, are they dealing with something that if you said it a different way, you know, cause I can lose my temper if I've been fighting too long, <laughs> you know, and then I, then I think, okay, call him back and do it again and take a breath and see if we can't get through this together, together. I think we all can use emotional intelligence yeah. training yeah. in all areas yeah. to make this world a better place. Yeah. Now, you're so positive, and I am blown away, but there must be some moments of where you're not feeling so positive. Oh, yeah. How do you get yourself back up? Um, I, the best example I can give you is last March, I was in ER, um, for actually this, uh, growth had become inflamed and, uh, Alex was quite concerned about it and said, you know, I really think you need to go to ER to have that checked out. It was a weekend. Okay. I always get things happening on the weekend <laughs> and holidays, you know, when, when ER is always the busiest. Oh man. Um, but I did. So I went to ER and they did a scan and they found um, with that scan that my uh, cancer had metastasized to my bones. Okay. And that's the last place that you wanted okay. to go. Um, so it was during COVID. 
So my husband couldn't be with me. It was seven o'clock at night. So now the night staff was on um, in the hospital ward. I, because of COVID, everybody, all the medical staff was in, you know, these alien looking outfits walking through plastic. It was such a cold, um, very difficult environment to be in. Mm -hmm. And then to get that news that wasn't from my very wonderful oncologist who has the best bedside manner in the world. And when he gives me bad news, I, you know, I don't think anything of it. It's like, okay, we move on. But this was, this was a different situation. And as soon as the um, doctor left saying that the cancer had metastasized, I went to Google because I didn't have anybody else. It was seven o'clock at night. I couldn't call my oncologist. And it said, your prognosis is 10 months. Um, and that's the best, best situation for um, a cancer that's metastasized to your bones, colon cancer. So I was sitting there and I just started crying. And I thought, I can't go down this hole. I can't. You know, I started thinking of all the things I needed to get done in the next 10 months and mm -hmm. all the things that I wouldn't get to. I wouldn't get to um, uh, birthdays, graduations, seeing kids in my family get married that mm -hmm. I, you know, just so many things. And uh, so I'm at the bottom of this pit going, girl, you got to get out of this. So I, I did what I told you I usually do. I start looking for the gifts. And I'm thinking, there's a gift here. There's a gift. What, what's the gift? And I thought, oh, I have the best medical team in the world. That if, if there's anything, any gift that I can see in this, it's that I'm surrounded by this amazing group of medical people. And I get my treatment from Honor Health Research Institute. Mm -hmm. And... That, you know, I've done so much fundraising for CCA and American Cancer Society, and I've never done anything for the Honor Health Research Institute. And yet they have come to me every year to, you know, ask me questions like you're, you're asking. Yeah. And I thought, that's what I need to do. I need to come up with a way of fundraising for the Honor Health Research Institute. And I, the more I thought about it, I, I was getting really excited. I, I'm a good fundraiser. Apparently. <laughs> so I started thinking about that and I started feeling better. And, and out of the blue, one of my girlfriends from Minnesota called me and had no idea I was in the hospital mm -hmm. or what, that I'd just gotten the information that I got. And I bounced my idea off of her. Well, I said, I think... I want to do a walk. You know, I've done walks for all these other organizations. I want to do one just for this. And she said, I think it's a great idea. Do it. So that night I created Deidre's Match Walk. And I decided that if I could get enough money raised to match um, donations from my friends, I could raise, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars. And that would be nice to be able to do that. Well, I, 
I did that and jumped to the end, I raised $54,400. You did not, I lady. Did. I did. And here I've got the article to prove it. Oh, yeah, you do. I'm going to take a photo of that later. <laughs> there oh, she is. Yeah. So, so does this happen every year? Well, last year was the first year. I said, oh, help God. me celebrate my, my sixth uh, year yeah. as a survivor. Read that there. And um, so, and and then the other good news is that that was over ten months ago, and yes, that you're talking to me. Yes, I am. So I did not expire. <laughs> Snaptastic! I am so in awe of you in so many ways. I'm so <laughs> glad you took the time to talk to me. Oh, um, so. How do you feel today? I feel very good. I you feel, feel very good. good. You know, um, I know my time is short. And, and so, again, I take every day and look at it as the gift. I opened my eyes this morning. I got to see a great medical team when I got my treatment this morning. Um, you know, I get physical therapy. I, I just, I have a good life. And, uh, and I get to come home to a wonderful husband who supports me and my cats who love me. You are, I get to meet new people all the time. You are truly blessed so, and so inspirational. Well, thank you. Um, so on this, you know, at the end of the podcast, I'm not going to ask my usual questions, but if you can tell Jennifer something, what would it be? Gosh, I was just going to, what just came to my head is, Jen, you did it just right. She did it just right. Yeah. You know, she always had a smile on her face. Mm -hmm. um, she always looked great. I know. Uh, you know, oh, she her just, hair. <laughs> she she did. just, she loved people. You know, when, I mean, I didn't know anything that she was going through at the end because she was texting me mm -hmm. all the time, positive stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I had no idea that she was having the struggles that she was in the last couple months. Um, I wish she had shared them with me. You know, I think, I think, you know, from my perspective, who knows? That's no. why she did it just right. Maybe she wanted to protect all of us who yeah. loved her from what she was going through. Yeah. Is what I'm choosing to to think about yeah. yeah but listeners let's thank Deirdre for her beautiful honest vulnerable story thank you so much I'm in awe of you oh please <laughs> don't be in awe I'm in awe um but you're gonna get that colonoscopy aren't you I am <laughs> oh I'm committed now it's on the podcast Nat is getting a colonoscopy sometime this year if I could just say it right that'd be great <laughs> But I just want to say, listeners, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It's very, very important. Please take care of yourselves. Uh, also, please take the time out to listen to uh, United States Mrs. America, Mrs. America, United States of America, Mrs. Arizona 2020's episode, first episode of the first season. Uh, I would love it. Also, um, when I think of Jennifer, I think of a song. And the song is from Janet Jackson. It's about 20 years old, but it just, 
makes me feel better about Jennifer. And I know she's out there uh, smiling down on me. And it's called Together Again. So if you could please listen to it, that'd be great. So thank you so much.